BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Vice President Pence is reportedly opposed to calls from Democratic leaders and some Republican officials to invoke the 25th Amendment. Yesterday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Democrats could seek impeachment if Pence did not strip the president of his powers for his role in inciting a mob of insurrectionists that stormed the U.S. Capitol. We look at the scenarios for forcing Trump out of office in his limited time in the White House. Then, Trump is back on Twitter, but Facebook and Instagram are continuing to ban Trump on their platforms for at least the next two weeks. We look at why some are calling the efforts to curtail Trump online too little too late. Join us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday called on Vice President Mike Pence and Trump's cabinet to use the 25th Amendment to remove Trump's power. By inciting sedition, as he did yesterday, he must be removed from office. While it's only 13 days left, any day can be a horror show for America. Pelosi said if Pence does not step in, Democrats could seek to impeach the president. Joining me now is Bay Area Congressman Eric Swalwell. Thanks for joining us, Congressman Swalwell. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You were deeply involved in the first impeachment as a member of both the Intelligence and Judiciary Committees. With time so short and the process complicated, make the argument for pursuing impeachment a second time. This president is a clear and present danger to life. He incited a riot that overtook the Capitol. Five people are dead, including a Capitol Hill police officer. Yes. This wasn't just any day at the Capitol. It was a day where we were executing our responsibility to have a peaceful transfer of power. For the first time in our country's history, the transfer of power will not be peaceful. But he's also unable to defend democratic ideals. And so there's an urgency to act. And some may say, well, there's only 300 hours until this president leaves office. I hope he leaves office. But as we saw on Wednesday, 
in a matter of minutes, uh, things can dramatically change in our country. So uh, we are acting with urgency. I think the best thing the president can do is to resign. And if he does not resign, for the vice president to show the courage to invoke the 25th Amendment, and if he doesn't do that, to be impeached. There is talk that if this is not achieved in the days that are left, that even afterward, potentially what could be done would would be to disqualify uh, Trump from being able to serve as president or in a high office in the government again. Is that what's on your mind? My, my mind is solely focused on a man who's unhinged, who does not have access to his Facebook account or his Instagram account, but has access to the country's nuclear codes. Uh, we don't know what he will do in the remaining days in office, but we saw on Wednesday uh, that he can uh, you know, cause chaos and we just can't risk that for the sake of the country. And yes, of course, a penalty of removal from office is not being able to serve ever again, uh, but that's not uh, the urgent, uh, the, you know, that may be the long-term important, but the urgent right now uh, is to protect people and our country's ideals. So you have more than 100 members of the House of Representatives, 100 House Republicans, who stuck with the president even after the insurrection at the Capitol. If Trump were impeached again, removing him requires a two-thirds vote of the Republican-controlled Senate, which acquitted him a year ago. I mean, are you hearing any signs of openness to the idea among Republicans? Uh, yes, I was encouraged today to see that Senator Ben Sass said that he would consider uh, impeachment. Certainly, Mitt Romney uh, has already voted for, uh, you know, conviction. So, I also don't think we sh we can just let the Senate off the hook. You know, it's, it's a chicken and egg problem where if we say, well, they may not do it, so we shouldn't do it. Well, we have to make the case uh, and put that responsibility, you know, in their court. Uh, and so that's what we will seek to do if the president does not resign or, or is not removed. Uh, by the vice president. So are you in the process of drafting the articles of impeachment as we speak? I mean, how quickly could we see these? Because there are reports that the vice president is not responding to Speaker Pelosi or Leader Schumer in terms of their demands to invoke the 25th Amendment. Uh, yes, I've actually already signed on to articles that have been filed. They may not ultimately be the articles that are considered uh, but the speaker has been adamant that if the president does not resign and if the vice president doesn't uh, show the courage to invoke the 25th Amendment, uh, that we will uh, act. And so we can move, uh, you know, pretty quickly here. We have to move at the clip of the president's corruption and chaos. You know, typically you would have a hearing uh, and a longer presentation. But the president, uh, I believe, has uh, forfeited that right uh, when he called on his supporters to storm the Capitol, when his uh, lawyer called for uh, combat at the Capitol, where the president's uh, enablers in the Congress said it was time uh, to take names uh, and kick ass. Uh, we can't wait uh, any longer. Uh, we have to act to protect this country. And moving quickly means what? I mean, how soon could we see a formal action? I think it could be imminently. Uh, you know, I, I'll leave it to the speaker to declare you know, when that's going to happen. But we're ready uh, you know, to protect the country. And fortunately, I've seen you know, Republicans uh, in the House also declare that they'd be ready to. Before I let you go, Congressman, what's your reaction to the president saying this morning that he won't attend Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th? I, I don't think anyone wants to see him there, uh, considering, uh, you know, what he brought to the Capitol earlier this week. Uh, it would only endanger others if he were there. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think for the sake of the country, uh, that day is a symbol of uh, democracy and the peaceful transition of power. And he was just the opposite on Wednesday.
Bay Area Congressman Eric Swalwell, thanks so much for talking to us. My pleasure. Thank you. Joining me now is Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the Los Angeles Times. Jennifer Habercorn, glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me. We just listened to Congressman Swalwell. I mean, what are the risks for Democrats of doing this? He says a formal action is imminent, potentially. Yeah, there definitely are risks. Um, I think the chief among them from Democrats that I've heard is that this will look like a a rush to impeachment. And in the grand scheme of history, um, doing an impeachment without the time for hearings and to give the president an adequate um, time to prepare a defense could further undermine the impeachment process. Um, and uh, it, it but that said, the Democrats that I've talked to have really echoed what we heard from Congressman Swalwell. And there is a fear that in the history books, this insurrection at the Capitol is going to appear. And if it does not appear alongside in a, a, a response from Congress, that it's going to look like um, this happened and that everyone was OK with it. And they don't want it to appear that um, the president was able to help uh, stir an insurrection and that um, the rest of the American government didn't respond. So then are you hearing from Republican lawmakers about a course of action that they are willing to take, whether it be invoking the 25th Amendment or impeachment? Because as I was saying to Congressman Swalwell, right, I mean, two thirds of the Senate to convict is a very high bar. You're right. Um, there are two House Republicans who've signaled openness to the cabinet pursuing the 25th Amendment. And one House Republican has said that um, he would uh, uh, consider supporting impeachment. And as Congressman Swalwell mentioned, Senator Ben Sass in the Senate has said that he'd be open to considering impeachment. Um, that is a pretty significant um, change, frankly, since when Congress considered impeachment earlier in 2020. Um, but you're right. Two thirds majority of the Senate is an extremely uh, unlikely scenario at this point. That said, Senate Republicans are equally as frustrated and they don't like what happened either. And we are hearing more and more murmurings from Senate Republicans that something needs to be done to secure American democracy, frankly, in the next two weeks. Um, so I think there's likely to be some kind of response from Senate Republicans, but I don't see them supporting impeachment. Um, and frankly, the Senate is scheduled to be out of session through the uh, January 20th. So frankly, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell could just simply ignore articles of impeachment from the House. And um, to those who note that, uh, with the uh, special election in Georgia, Democrats will have majority in the Senate, but not until January 20th, when Kamala Harris becomes the tie-breaking vote as vice president. So the Senate will still be in Republican hands as long as Trump is in office. We're talking with Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the LA Times. We're talking about the possibility, the scenarios around removing President Trump from office in his final days. And you, our listeners, can join the conversation by posting comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or emailing your questions to forum at kqed.org. Keith writes, do congressional Republicans have a political incentive to join Democrats? Republicans should be afraid of Trump in 2024 after he just lost them the House, Senate and White House this time around. Even even scarier for them would be if Trump ran as a third party candidate in 2024. Are those things on their minds? Has that changed incentives, Jennifer Habercorn? 
You know, I think that's something that House Republicans are wrestling with with right now. But as you pointed out, there were 100 Republicans in the House who um, voted to back Trump's uh, opposition to the Electoral College vote just a few hours after um, the mob uh, uh, breached the security at the Capitol. Um, So, I mean, that was their first moment to... um, lodge some complaint with with the president's tactics and they chose not to so i think there's certainly some house republicans who are extremely frustrated and feel like something might be done i think we would see if articles came to the house floor more republicans support that effort but certainly not the majority of house republicans i mean even if in some way enough support was mustered right to to try to proceed with impeachment the 25th amendment so on there is still the issue of timing right jennifer have a mm-hmm. yes you're absolutely right i mean now we're what 12 days away from um in, inauguration day that's an extremely tight timeline um but what i'll tell you from the discussions i've had with house democrats and from reading a letter that house speaker nancy pelosi sent out to her colleagues today she cites an extreme worry about what happens in the next 12 days she said that she even reached out to defense officials to ensure that the president um wouldn't be able to to lodge some some military opposition or a, a military action it's unclear exactly what she could do or what you know, military officials could do because he is the commander in chief. Um, but to see the the Speaker of the House put in a letter that she's concerned about this was frankly a very jarring moment. Um, I mean, p- political tensions are so high, but that's a, um, a dramatic escalation of concern. Well, this listener tweets, Congress must begin impeachment now. Do not wait to see if Amendment 25 is underway. Do your job. Both paths to removal can be happening simultaneously. Protect our nation. There have to be consequences to sedition and insurrection. The whole world and our nation is watching. We're talking about the possibility of removing President Trump from office in his final days. We're talking about the scenarios, and we'll learn more about how exactly they would need to play out. You can join the conversation by posting your comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum, emailing us at forum at kqed.org, or you can call us 866-733-6786 is the number. Again, 866-733-6786. I'm Nina Kim. Stay with us. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about calls to remove President Trump from office in his final days and what exactly that means and would require. Joining us is Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter from the Los Angeles Times. You can join the conversation by calling 866-733-6786, emailing us forum at kqed.org, 
or posting your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. I'm joined now by Brian Kalt, professor of law at Michigan State University and author of Unable, The Law, Politics, and Limits of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Professor Kalt, thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me. So first, can you just remind our listeners what exactly the process is for invoking the 25th Amendment? Sure. So the process is initiated um, under Section 4. If the president can't or won't say that he's incapacitated, the vice president and a majority of the cabinet can send a declaration um, to Congress saying that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. If they do that, power transfers immediately to the vice president as acting president. The president has a process for taking power back, uh, but uh, the vice president stays in charge during that process. So then this is a process that can happen rather quickly if you are able to get the actions of the vice president and the cabinet. Yes, if they are on board, it could happen in minutes and it takes immediate effect. And of course, what we're hearing, at least so far, is that the vice president is not on board. What we're also hearing are a lot of resignations, or I shouldn't say a lot, but resignations beginning, right? At least Elaine Chao, Betsy DeVos. And there are lots of questions being raised right now about acting uh, secretaries and acting cabinet members. And I'm wondering if acting uh, cabinet members have those same uh, rights to be able to vote uh, for invoking the 25th Amendment? I think the better legal argument is that, yes, they can participate, um, but it's problematic and it is uncertain. And so if there was a vote taken that turned on whether the acting's counted or not, um, then we wouldn't have that immediate transfer of power. It would be clouded and it would probably have to go to court. But if the actings, and and, um, they're now going to be five when Chow's um, resignation becomes effective, if the actings don't participate, then they're taken out of the denominator too. So as long as you had a majority, eight out of the 15, if you count the actings, and then six out of the 10, if, if you're counting only confirmed members, as long as you have a majority both ways, then it can still go forward. After what we saw yesterday uh, with Speaker Pelosi basically saying impeachment is, is going to happen if, uh, or could happen, I should say, if the vice president does not invoke the 25th amendment. I mean, do you think it, it's a realistic possibility? I think it's realistic that they'll try to impeach him, but the problem with impeachment is it doesn't take that immediate effect. And even if the house impeaches, it could take a, a while for the Senate to come back to debate things. The Senate doesn't do anything quickly. So unless there's the sort of imminent emergency that would lead a majority of the House and two-thirds of the Senate to act with that kind of dispatch, um, it, it wouldn't solve the issue. And um, he, if you impeach the president, he retains all of his powers in the meantime until the moment of conviction. So um, if, if the issue is taking power away from him, uh, impeachment is probably not going to be effective in this case, unless he does something much more extreme. Well, Stephen writes, much more important than the next 12 days is the need to prevent Trump from being able to run again in 2024. That is the imperative for impeachment now. Is that the best mechanism, Brian Colt, for consequences after Trump leaves office? Yes, 
constitutionally, the only way to disqualify someone from running for president would be to impeach and convict. And the Senate, when it convicts, can impose disqualification. It's a separate vote. Uh, but if, if they've convicted by two thirds, the disqualification only requires a simple majority. Um, there is some debate as to whether disqualification applies to elected office. It definitely doesn't apply to running to Congress. He'd still be able to run for Congress. Um, but I, I think it, it would probably, if the Senate did that, it would probably bar him from running in 2024 or ever. Let me go to caller Peter in Palo Alto. Hi, Peter. Hi, I'm just commenting on uh, the previous comment by the reporter, um, just that impeach the mechanics of impeachment, that if it were to pass the House, the Senate must immediately take it up. Um, I don't think they can just simply ignore it. That would just also lead to um, President Trump not being fully a half-standing trial. So I think constitutionally, too, the Senate must fully take up impeachment if the House passes. So I just wanted to insert that. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Is he right, Brian called? Well, it's not entirely clear. Um, part of it's a matter of constitutional law. Part of it's a matter of Senate rules. But the reality is that it, it would take time that we don't really have. The clock is about to run out. So it's not like the Senate is required to drop everything um, and immediately vote. Um, they can debate. They can send things to committees. Uh, they, can, they can do all sorts of things if they want, if the votes are there. So um, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's any sort of guarantee of prompt action, uh, prompt enough to happen by the 20th, as the caller um, suggested. I, I, it is important to note, though, that impeachment can continue against or can even wait to begin uh, against someone who's out of office. Ex-presidents, ex-officials are subject to impeachment, too. So um, it's not like the action would end at noon on the 20th. Well, Malcolm writes, and I think this is actually exactly what you're addressing. Can Trump be impeached by the House before January 20th, but tried and convicted in the Senate after January 20th, primarily to first set the example for history and second, prevent Trump from running for future office? You touched on this, but I just want to make sure that I'm clear. The Senate would convict first of, and that would require the two thirds before the then disqualifying from future office, which requires the majority. Correct. The, the precedent is, it's an odd precedent because you'd think they'd need two thirds for, for both. But the precedent is that they only need a simple majority for that second step to disqualify. And that second step could only happen after uh, they vote to convict by two thirds. Yes. And let me go to Mike in Union City. Hi, Mike. Hi, Nina. I wonder what is happening with the hundreds of millions of dollars that Trump has collected post-election for his re-election. Is there any law about what happens with that money? Mm. Well, first, uh, Jennifer Habercorn, his the war chest that he has. So my understanding is that the president can keep that money and um, I, there are restrictions on what he can do with it. There's restrictions on how politicians can spend their um political donations, but there's no requirement to give it back. I mean, he has some authority to um, donate to charity, keep it for uh, his own future political endeavors, give it to other political candidates. So that's going to be a powerful tool for him, um, to, frankly, to curry favor with other um, Republicans once he's out of office, um, you know, Republican House members, for instance. 
We're talking with Jennifer Habercorn. Uh, thank you, Mike. We're talking to Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the LA Times, and Brian Colt, professor of law at Michigan State University, author of Unable, the Law, Politics, and Limits of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Brian Colt, I have to ask you for your reaction to reporting that the Justice Department said it would not rule out pursuing charges against President Trump for his role in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. I mean, all we've heard about is just the awesome powers of presidential immunity. I mean, what scenario could you successfully prosecute here? Once he's out of office, there is no immunity. And um, there, I, I'm not an expert on the law of what, uh, what constitutes inciting a riot, but if they think that he did something as president that violated that law, once he's out of office, there's no question that they could prosecute him for that. And so um, that would be the the most effective avenue to pursue after he leaves? Well, I think there's reason to um, have that as the first line. If, if they think that he's committed a crime and that he should face consequences, that's a much um, more direct approach than impeaching him after he's already gone. Um, and uh, it, it does interact a, a bit with the pardon power. It sounds like he's going to pardon himself. Um, but it's not clear that he has that power. So so we could see. Yes, that's my next question. I mean, can he pardon himself for an act that he's done before he's been charged for it? Yes, um, the, the pardon power is very broad and the Supreme Court has uh, affirmed that presidents can pardon people as long as they're pardoning something that's already been done it doesn't matter if those actions have been charged or if there's been a conviction. Preemptive pardons are within the president's power. And when Ford pardoned Nixon, uh, that was a preemptive pardon. But we have a lot of other examples. And, and again, also the Supreme Court saying that is OK. But it sounds like you're saying still it is going to be tested in a way that is, is pretty unprecedented. Well, the part that's uncertain is whether he can pardon himself because um, there, there are some pretty strong arguments. That, uh, I've been writing about that question for decades, actually, uh, about whether he can pardon himself. There's uh, arguments on both sides, and there's no precedent, so we don't know. But whereas everything else about the pardon power is pretty well established and pretty broad, that self-pardon is still highly sketchy. Well, Vincent San Mateo writes, the Capitol break-in has not changed the core beliefs and values of the 74 million Americans who voted for Trump. In 2024, they will vote for Ted Cruz or whoever is going to be Trump's political heir, and the irreconcilable differences in the electorate will continue. I hope someone can refute this logic, but I fear no one can. Jennifer Habercorn, your reaction before I know you need to leave us. Well, I think um, what the listener is getting at is the, um, you know, real divide in among Senate Republicans, even within, you know, the single uh, House and Senate Republicans right now. Um, you know, for so long, they tied their fortunes to President Trump because it really was advantageous for them politically. And now, you know, we saw over the years um, that that rarely wavered. We have prominent examples of when it it when it did not. But for the large part, they stuck with him. And, um, you know, the, the events of the Capitol were a real turning point for a handful of Republicans publicly. My assumption is that more privately, um, because the violence came right into their doorstep. I mean, they 
this was their workplace. It's my workplace um, in, in non-COVID times. I'm there almost every day. Um, and it was a, a, a jarring um, insurrection to our workplace and uh, the seat of American democracy. So that um, has changed opinions among rank and file Republicans. And I think what we're going to see as Trump leaves office is how many of them voice that publicly um, and how many don't. I mean, we're seeing right now Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley from uh, Missouri, is uh, got his, his book deal revoked from uh, a book publishing company because he was one of the folks who was leading a lot of the charge against the Electoral College vote. And um, I think we're going to see more fallout among Republicans in the weeks to come. Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the Los Angeles Times. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And let me go to caller Barbara in San Francisco. Hi, Barbara. Uh, hello. Thanks for taking my call. My urgent concern is, uh, as expressed by uh, uh, both Eric Swalwell and uh, kind of uh, direct, indirectly uh, dealt with by Bruce Kane, whom I heard in the first segment, my concern is immediate separation of Donald J. Trump from the nuclear football and code because we're having unrest in other parts of the world, including Iran, and they would be affected as well. So it isn't just protection of our country. It is the protection of the rest of the world. That this man, who's been deemed as a sociopathic narcissist, has control which could result in utter destruction. How can yeah. we separate him from that football, nuclear football in code? I know the football is the briefcase. I've seen it on the uh, TV. Brian Colt, the specific question around the nuclear codes, but also just is there any other mechanism if a president plays a role in inciting an insurrection uh, <laughs> that, that would force him to leave or, or strip him of significant power? Constitutionally, the only way to take away a president's power are either through uh, the 25th Amendment or through impeachment and removal. As a practical matter, um, there, there might be other mechanisms. They might arrest him. That, that, that could be constitutionally problematic. It's not clear that that would affect his powers as president. So uh, really, there, there aren't a lot of options there. Um, 25th Amendment was designed for presidents who are incapacitated. It can cover a situation like this. I, I write about this at length in, in my book. If the president is well enough to contest the action, it's supposed to be really hard to make it stick to remove his powers. But you might be interested not in making it stick, but just doing something in the moment. And so Section 4 is available as a mechanism to do that. Um, there's also, practically speaking, the, the potential that the military could disobey his orders, but that's that's no way to run a railroad. Um, they should they should go through the twenty fifth amendment process if it comes to that. Well, John writes in reference to downsides for Dems. It seems with the narrow margin that Dems have in the House, it seems the worst situation would be for a vote that fails. With some Dems from swing districts not supporting in politics, you don't take a vote until you have the votes. 
And uh, Marty writes, Trump already was impeached and the Mueller investigation went on for two years to no effect on Trump. In fact, he was exonerated in his mind and the minds of his followers. It ended in our FBI being humiliated. There is something very wrong with this country that we would go from an excellent man like Obama to an abhorrent person like Trump. Kathy writes, while this country does need to look ahead, it must not be at the expense of accountability. Dangerous precedents have been set as a caring law-abiding citizen. I demand accountability, criminal and civil. Let me see if I can get this last uh, call from Neil in. Hi, Neil, from Menlo Park. Sure. I think your guest was just commenting on this, but the the idea whether the 25th Section 4 really does apply to, let's call it a bad person or someone supporting an insurrection as opposed to a physical or a, a mental disability. And if we use it in this way for Trump, what's to prevent in the future someone using it, you know, quote, on the other side later on? Um, so, my comments are about the propriety of, of using the 25th for mm. this kind of situation. Brian, call your final thoughts on this. That's a great point. And I think um, that should give the cabinet and vice president pause and probably is giving them pause. Um, at, at the same time, though, the language of the amendment is is written very broadly and unable, the word unable is um, and then they knew this when they were writing, it can encompass some of these other things if there's this need for immediate action. They didn't nail down the definition of unable. They didn't limit it to uh, a, a stroke or a, or a coma. They left it broad. And the limiting factor here is who the decision makers are. Um, it would have to be the vice president and the cabinet. And if you want to make it stick for a while, two thirds of the house and two thirds of the Senate. So if you get to a point where the president is doing not nothing, not incapacitated, but doing bad things, but you have all of those actors agreeing that uh, that it warrants stripping him of his power, uh, then it would happen. And yeah, it could be a problem in the long term if, if it's seen as a thing that can be used that way. It's the way it's used on TV uh, against TV presidents. It, it would be a problem. So they would need to have a very serious situation before using it that way. Well, Brian Kalt, we really appreciate you coming on to speak with us. Brian Kalt, professor of law at Michigan State University, author of Unable, the Law, Politics and Limits of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Thanks also to Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter from the Los Angeles Times and Bay Area Congressman Eric Swalwell, who joined us earlier in the hour. Blanca Torres produced today's segment. Our next segment will be looking at the efforts by social media platforms to try to curtail Trump's influence online. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.